0: It's always great to be here. Uh, I just got a a text message from my wife saying that she's praying for me, which is right on cue, you know. I mean, you know, you're talking about I've been married 42 years, you know, you get this ESP sense from my, you you know, sometimes it's too much, you know, but this is very spiritually timely, you know. It's very interesting, very, very interesting. I tell my wife that. When I come to Cornerstone, and I think I've been here over 15 years running, I believe so. I believe so, I should get a, a, a monument or something, a plaque <laughs> uh, pretty soon, once I hit the 20th year. But I always like to share about my life, and I don't know when I came uh, last, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, I don't remember, I came, you know, a while ago, you know. And uh, I'll tell you, my life, like many of yours, it's, it's a journey. And it's one of the benefits that I have of coming here, because this is like a pulpit away from home, is that uh, if you've been, here for, for years and, and heard me. you've heard me through my journey, and I tend to be quite honest with you, and my journey right now is that there are some happy things, like I'm expecting my fifth grandchild in November. That is very, very happy. I have some neutral things, like the other daughter is, has just moved to Taiwan for three years with her three grandchildren, and they lived on the East Bay, so I'm a little neutral on that one, you know. And I'm a little neutral on that one. There are chronic things, like my mother-in-law. and I, The last time I came, I shared that my mother-in-law suffered four strokes and is uh, in a subacute nursing facility in Los Angeles. And it's been almost a year now. And that's a chronic thing. And if you, have, you, you deal with uh, 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 loved ones who, who are you know, in a chronic situation, you know the burden and the emotional burden upon the family. You know? I mean, that's the big thing. But then there are acute things, too. And I wanted to spend a little bit more time on the acute things because it has something to do with the message and something to do with my life too. Um, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Make it nine days ago. Uh, I went to uh, I went to my Kaiser, and if you know me, I don't like going to the doctor. Okay, I just want, I just don't like. The, I'm one of those. I don't like go the dentist. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like anything. You know. Uh, so I went and. Um, I had a C- CT scan and then the doctor said, oh, we should uh, uh, schedule you for MRI because about two and a half weeks ago, I was experiencing like a loss of like 1% of my vocabulary and, and headaches and nausea and uh, it's just a little brain fog and uh, it was affecting my speech and my ability to complete sentences. And uh, they needed to do these things because they said, well, we got to see, make sure it's not the the serious stuff, which would be like a stroke or a tumor or something like that. So uh, I got my results CT scan right away. Uh, The MRI, you waited like a day or something, and it was negative. So they have to move on to what's causing my symptoms. And it's very interesting because um, I'd always like, thought that that was one of my strengths of being a person, you know? Like, there's always strengths and weaknesses in a person. My strength is that I'm not tall, okay? Uh, I'm not tall, I'm not athletic, I can't shoot the three-pointer, you know? That's not my skill. But one of the things that my strength was the ability to process very quickly and to speak, and when that occurred about two weeks ago, I said, oh, Lord, this is, this is really interesting. Uh, because I was having trouble completing my sentences. And the prayer is whether I would be able to preach and complete this sermon without major gaps in the message and whether I could stand. It's very, very interesting. and I was, It was almost as if, and I, and I texted uh, Pastor Terry. Uh, I said, I was almost at the point where I wanted a medical buy for this sermon. You know, it's like, I think, ah, uh, you know, the dog ate the homework, you know, type of thing. But it's not, the dog ate the homework. I still got some humor in me, you know, with the, with the brain fog. But it was one of these, like, uh, you know, I can't stand, I can't, I can't stand up, I can't speak, you know, like that. Uh, but I texted Pastor Terry, I said, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't send that message. Because I think I could still preach. Which leads very well to the subject of this, the message of this sermon. For life is full of conflict, life is not easy, life has its ups and downs. And that's a proverbial statement, everyone, everyone, if you live long enough you know that. The issue is how does your faith deal with the downs? Okay, what controls you, what guides you? How do you determine how you are to respond in the downtime? And it fits very well with the passage, because uh, Cornerstone is going through, I think, the book of Acts, Rise, and the passage that was assigned to me was uh, Acts chapter five. And Acts chapter five is one of the most unusual passages because it has one of the most iconic verses of scripture in terms of how your faith must be manifested in the midst of conflict. There's only a short portion that is written in your program because I want to uh, share with you the setting of this. I gotta sort of take a a minute or so to tell you what the background of this was. Acts chapter five is, is very, very interesting. Through the bestowal of the Spirit and through the giftedness of God to the apostles, the early Christian leaders were able to do marvelous things Miracles that you have never even could could never even dream of. It would be the type of the emptying the hospital type of dreams. Their shadows were healing people. Things you don't even see today. They, they, they were endued with great supernatural uh, empowerment from on high. But as a result of that, not only were they doing uh, marvelous healing and marvelous works of compassion to people. They were tying it with the teaching of the resurrected Christ. and they were in the city of Jerusalem, and Jesus had not been uh, crucified more than two months ago. It didn't look good. The person you murdered, or you executed, is now the basis of this huge revival occurring in the city of Jerusalem. So uh, they were arrested some of the early Christian leaders. But the arrest could not stop them for God miraculously let them out. And they were proclaiming more. And they were arrested again. And they were causing a big sort of turmoil in the city of Jerusalem. And with that background, I will now read Acts chapter five, verses 27 to 32. It goes like this. When they had brought them they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him." Wow. When uh, I was texted that I had the opportunity to preach this, I said in a reply message, I said, What an honor to preach this passage. Because it talks about the supremacy of Christ and the message that we have in the midst of conflict, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of sort of downturns, whatever conflict you have. Not only does it talk about the power that we have in Christ, this passage also corrects some of the misconceptions we have about our faith. And this, these misconceptions are very, very important. Some of you may be you know, new to Cornerstone, may not really uh, uh, be a follower of Jesus, and just kind of interested. Some of you are long-term members and, and, and uh, attenders of this church, and may have some misconceptions. So we're gonna go through three misconceptions. The fourth, what I think is the true conception. uh, uh, And then the application to end the message. The first misconception is this, that some people think, let's see if we got the misconception. Okay, some people believe that if we follow God, we will live on easy street. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, I want to sign up for that God. The easy street God, okay? Because it's a matter of, um, it's always the easy street is always the primary goal, you know? So if I'm like on the side street or I'm stuck on 101, you know, if I do the right thing, I'm back on easy street. I'm on 280, you know? Not 101, you know? That's all I want. Because God is a 280 God. He's not a 101 God. He's not, definitely not an 880 God, okay? Now I could preach like that, but, okay. A lot of us have that. It's like, oh, we got trouble. I come to God because he's, it's, if I do everything right, it's on easy street, okay? I'll tell you something. That's a misconception. I'm not saying that there's not marvelous deliverance of God in a believer's life. I will, I will swear to you, and swear not in cursing, but swear in that, on a Bible type of swearing. I don't have a Bible, I'll swear on my iPhone, okay? <laughs> Because my Bible's in my iPhone. It's not that I worship at the cult of Apple, okay? My Bible is in the iPhone, let alone, you know, my my brain is mowing too fast. You didn't know that I knew that, you know? Uh, I needed to correct that. Uh, so, So where was I? Oh, I swear on the Bible that in my journey, and I was a Christian when I was seven, so it's been over 50, over 55 years that I have seen God work in in incredible ways. Oh wow, wow, incredible ways. Miraculous ways, answered prayer ways that would make your mouth, jaw open wide, you know, and say, oh wow, I never thought that happened. But to say that that's all of life and that now I'm on easy street, I'd be lying to you there. I'm gonna bring up two passages of scripture First one is in uh, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. It's taken from the law of Moses. It goes like this. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have long life on the earth. This is one of these weird passages that as a child you didn't like it, but as a parent I love it, you know? One of these these things, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's a nice principle. But then Jesus said this other passage... That's a little bit different. Matthew 10, 34 to 36, don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Now, as a child, I like that one. As a parent, I don't like that one, you know? I mean, it's one of these things. I say, oh, maybe it's all like, you know, situational ethics, you know? No, no, it's not situational ethics. Both are true. How can you be an easy street, an easy street has potholes all over it? That's the incredible thing. And this is a misconception because sometimes, they oh, you come to Christ because, you know, all my problems will go away. I will tell you what, your problems and your burns will be lightened, okay? God will give you ways out, okay? But there will be new situations that will come out because of your faith that will be cause conflict because you have an answered venue to prayer with God. It's just that when you come to human-to-human interaction, ah, your faith in God may cause some degree of conflict in your life. When I was really young, that's a long time ago, I grew up in New York City in Chinatown and Mont Street. My sister, who was, and my brother, who were the first believers in the whole Louis clan in New York City, uh, my sister told me this, that when she first attended church by some friends, uh, my mother, our mother, Uh, hit her Bible because uh, she didn't want her to read it and told us not to get baptized. You go to church so, you know, you don't get into gangs, you know, but you don't take this stuff seriously. Hit the Bible and, you know, it's not like, you know, beating up, whipping, you know, reprimanding, but, you know, it was not a friendly thing, you know. So what do you do? What do you do? I mean, it's not one of these things that you believe everything's fine and stuff like that. Look, there's going to be times when there's conflict because there's going to be times that the things that you hold will be in direct opposition to what other people hold. So what are you gonna do? I mean, you could be nice to people, but when it comes to opinions, thoughts, theological concepts, things they hold to be true. There's a difference between behavior that you can control because it should be filled with grace, but the thoughts, ah, that's the troublesome part. So, those who believe that we will always live on easy street, yeah, well, if you live alone, maybe, you know, you don't live with anybody, you know, you might be on easy street, but once you live with people, you realize life is not easy street anymore. You know? There's a second misconception that we have. Let me see if that comes up here. Some people believe that if we follow God, we will always defer to others. Oh, it's easy. We're on easy street. But when we're not on easy street, we always go the way the other person wants. We always turn the other cheek. Do unto others as others would like you to do unto them, right, or you would like them to do to you, you know, that's my brain fog coming, you know? Whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, you know? Do what people want. Be a doormat for Jesus. Turn the other cheek. but that's not true. That's not true at all because in this very passage, That I am preaching on, Acts chapter 5. If this principle were true, Peter would have said, Oh, so sorry. You know, he's Asian. He would have done one like this, you know. Oh, so sorry, you know. Uh, We should always defer to the elders, you know. So sorry, you know. Uh, Thank you for correcting us. So, so sorry. We will stop doing this. We'll only do it with your permission and with the proper application and the licenses. So sorry. Now, they didn't do that, because there is a time in which you do do defer to other people, and that usually refers to actions, things you do. And as you grow in Christ, there's a strange thing. I believe as you mature in Christ, you get less picky and a little less OCD, okay, because you can defer to other people and you don't need to have your way all the time, you know? And that's a mark, I believe, of a Christian because by default, we always want our way. But as a Christian, we can say, well, you know, it's, it's okay, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit more flexible, you know, these days, you know? But there comes a point in which you can't be flexible and it always comes, that action, you can be flexible. The interaction, you can be flexible. But when it comes to what you hold and what you believe. They realize, oh man, what, what's, what in the world's going on? I can't, I can't defer to that. There's a third misconception that comes around. Some people believe that if we follow God, we will be prophet-like and irritate everyone around us. <laughs> I wanna throw that one in. Because <clears throat> about a month ago, I met someone at my new gig at, at uh, Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto, and the person s- said, uh, uh, visiting the church, and I was talking to the individual, and the person says, uh, I, I'm thinking of leaving the church that I've been, because I, I can't find any church that agrees with what I hold. And I said, what other churches have you gone to? And he said, oh, I went to this church, and then they don't agree with that. I don't want to, and I said, well, who holds to your view? He says, I really don't know anybody. And I says, but how do you know it's true? He says, but I believe that there are people who hold my view. I just haven't found them yet. And then we're talking, and then I said, we were talking about a theme that this person brought up, and I, I told him my, my view, and the person said, oh, that's a wicked view. I said, well, I was really, you know, you know, that's really nice to say that wicked view, you know, things like that. And I told this person, I said, well, welcome you to the church, but... You know, I don't think you'll like it here because I don't know if you'll ever like anything you find there because there's no, there's no one ever that holds your view. But then the person says, yeah, but you know, aren't we supposed to be prophets in this world? Tell people what they don't like, tell the truth of God. True, but if there's no one else in this world to your knowledge who holds to your truth the way you see it, I don't think the problem is with us. Okay, call me, you know, uh, maybe a little harsh, you know? A little judgmental, you know? I don't think the problem's with me, man. I think the problem's with you. I think the problem is, you go so far to the side of truth, you cannot even manifest an ounce of grace to people why is that other problem there? Oh, but with the prophet of God, oh, with the new John the Baptist, I'm eating bugs and, and honey all day long, you know? i eh, you bugs know, and honey, you know? You're eating your water, your vegan hamburger. That's what you're eating, you know? <laughs> I'm glad God didn't take away my wit. But some people hold this. Just tell it like it is, you know? I'll tell you what, I'm gonna give you a passage of scripture. in mm. Titus, book of Titus. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show the humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Oh. and quarreling. Instead, be gentle and truly humble to each other. What is that prophet think? Oh yeah, there's a point in which you tell the truth. See, people get, in, 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 in problems in Christianity, when you go into the extremes, all grace behavior, no conflicting thought. You know, oh, that's so anti Jesus, you know. Oh, all conflicting thought, no gracious behavior. Oh, you know, it's like, I'll tell you what. The truth is in the balance of those two things. And with us, that is when you rise, and that is when you truly understand the transforming strength of our Lord Jesus Christ upon our lives and you realize how you are transformationally as behavior, and then you realize what you stand on as a child of God, and how you live your life. Because the fourth is the truth. I told you I have three misconceptions, and the fourth one will be the one I think is the truth, closest to the truth. The truth is that when we follow God, we will be kind and gracious to all, But our central truth about our faith cannot be withheld or silenced. The key to this is to separate the gracious behavior and the truth that you hold and to champion both rather than to suppress one. you uphold both. How does that look like? I'm trying to, like, application, I've got, like, five minutes left in this message. I'll tell you, in American society, this is a very splintered uh, society now. And religion has a lot, is in this one of the uh, themes within the conflict. You must figure out what the gracious behavior is. We'll always be gracious. I, I believe the believers are to be uber-gracious, you know? That is what we are. But there's a point in that, so this is what we hold. I can't suppress what we hold. I will excel in the grace that we, we, we exhibit and manifest. See, that's the difficult aspect of being a Christian in America, which we're seeing a changing Uh, sort of a a religious, uh, social uh, setting in this great nation. But being a person of color, last time I saw I'm I'm a minority, you know? And you know minorities, we're getting better status, I just want to tell you that, you know? Uh, I view Christianity differently. Because I view Christianity as a minority. And when you view Christianity as a minority, you take a global view, and when you take a global view, this is the fact, that 80% of Christians in this world live in nations that are not tolerant of their faith. The church planning with some Indian brothers and the big turn and persecution of Indian believers. Pastors being beat up, churches being burnt. China, the wave is now turning anti-Christian. I don't even want to think about what it means to be a Christian in Iran, Iraq, Syria, Egypt. I don't even want to think about it. I mean, I don't even know how they even want to go to church on Sunday. Really, you know? 80%. And for those people, it's different than who you're gonna vote for November. For these people, it's a matter of you want to get beat up. And if you don't, all you got to do is renounce your faith. (laughs) Simple, isn't it? It's very, very different. And what those drives those Christians, and being an American, you know? In a sense, I can't even fathom what, how these people hold on to their faith. It must be so that it's so close to Acts chapter 5. Well, you could take everything away from us, but we'll still believe. But what's that? It has nothing to do with changing society or being, you know, what, what you need to do. It's about what is at the core of your being and your identity, and for these people, the core of their belief in identity is their faith in God, which is a non-negotiable. You're not going to pry it from our hand. Wow. For my sister, when she was growing up, In Chinatown, New York, it meant to her and my brother, our brother, and eventually to me, I'm seven years younger, is that, well, we're going to go to church, and we're going to read the Bible, and we're going to get baptized, and one of your sons is going to be a pastor. Isn't that ironic? Why? Why? because I always defer to others? Is it because it's always on easy street? No, no, we're always gracious to people, but there comes a time in which that which is your identity at the heart and soul of who you are and what you hold to be most valuable. is non-negotiable. I cannot. I, I, I cannot. But we told you, Peter, not to preach. We, we cannot. We cannot stop. 10 days ago, I went to get a CT scan. See if I had a stroke. And when I came, uh was negative, and then an uh, MRI, it was negative. So I gave it a shot to come to Cornerstone my pulpit away from home, and I walked through the door in the dark, I felt like falling. Because I've been here 50, over 15 years running, sometimes four times a year. So it felt strange to me. And I have a problem with hearing now. Noises bother me which never did before. How I like quiet now. I have trouble ending my sentences. And um, for someone who speaks as a profession, that is not a good thing. Right? It's not a good thing. But I got to tell you something. The faith that I hold, and the faith that many of us hold here, is not always a faith because of convenience. It is who I am. Whether I can finish my sentence, or whether I cannot finish my sentence. That is not who I am. So wherever you are in the journey of life, whether you are in conflict, medical disability, emotional turmoil, I'm talking to friends here earlier, plenty of burden here. Look, at the end of the day, here is the question. Who is the one upon who you will base your life to determine how you will respond? Sure, I have Kaiser, okay? But who will I base my trust upon? Okay? Who am I gonna who am I gonna base my trust upon? Who are you gonna base your trust upon? And is he going to be the one that drives the narrative in your life so that whenever whatever comes, be it political, societal, be you in the Middle East, being you in, in, in physical ailment? Oh. Yeah, life might not be good, it can't, is it, you know? But I, I, I cannot stop trusting and believing that my Lord will bring me through. At the end of the day, that is all I ask of you. Allow me to pray and then end this message. Our Heavenly Father, I just give thanks for the grace that you have bestowed this weary body of mine. And I give you much thanks. But I pray for my friends at Cornerstone, wherever they are in their journey, whatever acute, chronic situations they face, that ultimately uh, we cannot but believe in you and to declare of your truth. If there are those who are visiting Cornerstone for the very first time, may you allow us to understand a little bit more about your gospel and about your truth. For those who have been a little bit too prophetic to be kind for those who have been a little too silent to be a little bit more verbal, for those who have been a little bit weak to put our confidence in you. For I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.